Welcome, I'm Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater and one of your presenters for this session. And Thank you. And this is my friend Julie A. <laughs> With the parade slash princess wave. Uh, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Rockin'. This for, the format for this session is as follows. We are going to share for about an hour. If you need to stand to let the blood travel back to other parts of your body, please do so during the session. It's written right here. Um, and then we're going to have about 15 minutes of questions because the Ask It Basket held by the lovely Meg is going to be passed around. And there is no stupid question. There is no question that's too hard for us either. <laughs> so there. Because <laughs> the answers are all in the big book. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to have uh, about 10 or 15 minutes for open pitches. I have an announcement. The silent auction and the hip-hop boutique are on the second floor. If you haven't visited them, there are some outstanding, beautiful baskets. There are some without any bids on them, so they could be yours for the low, low price of the first bid. The, the uh, boutique still has many clothes in it, and people are walking around with some of their extra clothes, as you'll see with bags. And so please go up there and visit them. Also, as this room needs to be set up for tonight's dance, all ibuprofen will be available at the door on the way in. We ask that you immediately, immediately, if not sooner, upon closing, vacate the room. Please feel free to talk and mingle for as long as you'd like in the foyer or in the hospitality area. We thank you in advance for your cooperation and helping us out. Rockin', ready? Okay, Julie is going to, we, we did one through 2.8 in the first session, or 3.1 actually, and so Julie's gonna step up and get going on three through something or other, and then um, I'm going to come back. She's going to tell you what she's going to do. I'm sitting down by. Hi, my name's... You're short. Hi, my name's Julie, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I went post-it crazy. Um, so I want to welcome you all. The format, for those of you who weren't at the first session, that's really too bad. But for those of you who weren't at the first session... Um, all the answers to recovery forgive, were given, but we're going to try and review that in this one. We're going to go through, we're going to start at step three roughly because it says in the other 12 and 12 book that we use uh, that none of the remaining steps can be done with any degree of success until three is given a determined and persistent trial. So we're going to just touch on three briefly, and then we're going to go right to the rest of the steps. If I could condense, and I did read every story in the back, um, the stories, it would be a lot of time was spent on 1, 2, 3, and 12, actually. So that's where a lot of the weight will be, but we will touch on the other steps. Uh, I'm passing around, you may wonder, well, who are these people and what gives them, you know, to be here? Well, we volunteered. Um, <laughs> but a little bit about me briefly is I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous for 25 years. I've been currently staying, today's my birthday, I'm 21 years abstinent. Thank you. Don't take the time. We need time. We need time. Um, 
And uh, my top weight was about 200 pounds. My bottom weight was 98 pounds. I'm, I'm familiar with anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive overeating. I'm not familiar. I have been terrorized by all three. Um, I have pictures here because my sponsor would skin me alive if I didn't show pictures of what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now in some wonderful vacation shots. So I'm going to pass those around. I'd like them back. Um, so I'm going to jump right into the book now and uh, say, by the way, that um, – and I said this at the first session, but it still applies here. Um, I appreciate your, your applause at the birthday, but truly speaking, um, 21 years is not because I'm great. It's because I'm grateful. It's because you, the God, God of my understanding, you people in this fellowship and the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous have done for me what I could never do for myself, which is to achieve and maintain a normal weight for any period of time over 24 hours. And for that, I am truly grateful. So now we're going to jump right into uh, the third step, which is uh, from the man who mastered fear on uh, page 351. Uh, the background behind this is um, this gentleman had fear rule his whole life. He could not even go around the block without being absolutely struck terrified. He uh, uses, al he uses. I'm going to change the words food because we're compulsive over here, and I've done this. I've used food to get through everything. I used food to get through every situation in life, good and bad. So he used food to get through everything, finally went to a hospital program, came out, and was now at the home of, you could call it his sponsor, Dr. Bob. And he knew that, you know, the hospital was safe, and what am I going to do now? So what happened was this. It says, finally, and I shall never know how much later, one clear thought came to me. Try prayer. Oh. The third step, made a decision to turn my life and will over to the care of God as I understood him. Okay. So it says, try prayer. It can't hurt. And maybe God will help you, just maybe. Having no one else to turn to, I was willing to give a higher power a chance, although with considerable doubt. I got down on my knees, and for the first time in 30 years, the prayer I said was simple. It went something like this. And this is my prayer. God for 21 years, I have been unable to handle this problem of compulsive overeating. Please let me turn it over to you. That was all. If you need a good short third step prayer, that's a pretty darn good one. A couple other thoughts on the third step. Because I know for me, I, I've tried all my life to handle compulsive overeating. I've never tried harder and failed more at anything in my life. This is from the missing link on page 287. Following, following this spiritual path made a difference in my life. It seemed to fill that lonely hole that I used to fill with food. Oh, my God. I had such a hole. And I was always looking for that thing on the shelf in the supermarket. What's going to hit the spot? I didn't know the spot was that spiritual void. Only a God-sized hole that only a God could fill. And it says, my self-esteem improved. It says, it seemed to fill that hole. Following the spiritual path made a major difference. It seemed to fill that hole, and my self-esteem improved dramatically. I know happiness, serenity, as I've never known it before. I started to see the beauty and usefulness in my own existence and tried to express my gratitude through helping others in whatever ways I could. So whenever you hug a newcomer or whenever you call a newcomer after a meeting, you are taking the third step. 
A confidence and faith entered my life and unraveled, and unraveled a plan for me that was bigger and better than I could have imagined. When I came in here, my only goal was to fit into a swimsuit. And uh, I can fit in one today, but it's not pretty. And um, age, age and compulsive overeating have taken their toll. And the three-way mirrors, I mean, God, never go alone when you go do this. Always take a sponsor or at least two other OA members to bolster you up when you buy a swimsuit. Okay, on, uh, yeah, that's, I'll tell you, man. <laughs> You're braver than I am when you do that. Uh, on page 335, I wanted to stay abstinent more than I wanted life itself. Returning home, I begged God on my knees to help me stay abstinent one more day. I told God to take the house, take the job, take everything if that's what was needed for me to stay abstinent. That day I learned two things, the real meaning of step three and always be careful what you pray for. God took all those things. <laughs> she got her wish <laughs> and got them all back in the end. Okay. Third step here on page 337. You said as long as I put OA first in my life, everything I put second would be first class. This has proved to be true over and over again. So I continue to put OA and a higher power first and everything I ever lost returned many times over. That's from the woman who gave God everything and didn't think he'd take it. Ah, never pray that verse. Okay. On uh, acceptance once the answer, which as we all know is Dr. Alcoholic Addict, changed in the fourth edition. You'll have to explain that. On page 417, for years I was sure the worst thing that could happen to me, a nice guy like me, would be I would turn out to be a compulsive overeater. Today I find it's the best thing that ever happened to me. That proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good for you or bad for you or anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice. This goes out to sponsors everywhere. <laughs> um, don't figure I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before OA, I judged myself on my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Oh my God, I can't tell you the amount of times I had so many good intentions as the road to hell was paved with. And, uh, but my actions, you know, I, always had, I was always a really good worker when I was at work. I had good intentions. The problem is I rarely got to work because I was either getting over a binge or planning one. It goes on here to say that acceptance is the key to my relationship with my higher power today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to a higher power. However, it turns out, that's God's will for me. That's the simplest way I know to approach that praying for knowledge of God's will for me and the power to carry it out. Last section. This is from the window of opportunity. We're giving you the page numbers because this is good to refer to. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about a step or having problems with a step, it's also great if you're a sponsor. These are steps you can refer to. Or if you like being a know-it-all, it's always wonderful to quote the book and page number. Makes me sound like a jerk, and I like to do it. Okay. Page 429. I was angry, and I ate. I was happy, and I ate. I was bored and excited or elated, depressed, and I ate. And then here was a person telling me that independent of my life situation, I did not have to eat. That if I stuck with OA, I could stay abstinent under any circumstances or conditions. 
He gave me hope in many ways, symbolized the door through which I walked into Overeaters Anonymous. I began to change. I began to pray. I began to actively be involved in working the steps. I had previously dismissed them as tools of parental inferiors, and now I embrace them as rungs on a ladder to salvation. By the way, I learned that the word salvation means to come home. That's nice. I began working with a sponsor and became active in my home group. I did not understand how making coffee or cleaning up after meetings could have anything to do with staying abstinent, but older members told me that service would keep me abstinent, so I tried it, and it has. And for me, that is true. It is in, gratitude is an action. It is not just a word. And I've been told that if I am grateful enough for my abstinence, I have no fear of losing it. So I'm going to now turn it over to Barb, where we're going to delve into four and five. Okay, uh, who wasn't here for the first session? Raise your hand, please. Okay, I'm Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous now for a little over ten and a half years, and I've been abstinent uh, since the second, the day after my first meeting, and went on a binge to a one-year-old birthday party after the after my first meeting. It really helped. Um, and <laughs> fed me towards abstinence, and uh, and there were two picnic tables of food, and I ate from left to right because you know that's how you read. So I went from left to right twice. Um, I was very proud of myself that I didn't eat cake. Um, we'll rationalize anything we possibly can, won't we? And um, I went home that night, and uh, at the time, my job required me to carry a handgun. And I played with that handgun that night. I emptied it. I took the magazine out. I dry-fired it. I reloaded it. I racked around, put the magazine back in. And I looked at it, and I looked at it. I put it on the night table, and I went to sleep. And I woke up the next day. And the remarkable thing, the prayer... Uh, do I kill myself or do I go to sleep? It was answered. Go to sleep. And I woke up in the next day. I had breakfast. I had lunch. I had dinner. It was nothing. I had what I heard at the meeting was life in between, and that was an amazing concept to me. Very new. Um, and today I'm maintaining a, a approximately a 60-pound weight loss, and I've been able to maintain that weight um, close to that weight. It's just about 2000 and 99. When was the convention? 98? Uh, right after the convention is when I started getting there. And um, so all the clothes in my closet fit. I'm very grateful to tell you that today. Um, anything else? That, uh, I have a home group. I have a sponsor. And I do service because my, like as our friend Tom H. in Sacramento says, like my hair is on fire. And he's bald now. But um, he's got a lot of recovery, and I'll tell him I I'll tell him I said that once I get back to Sacramento. Okay, the one thing I wanted—well, one thing. Oh, there's 182. We're now at Chapter Five: How It Works, and that's on page 58 in the Big Book. And the reason, for those of you that weren't here at the first session, this is the third edition of the Big Books Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is the fourth edition. I refer to it as the resentment edition. They changed the pages in the in in the not only in the end, but as I learned, in the pages with the letters on them too, in the beginning. And I have yet, my, you can see, my book is sitting at the end of the table, far away from me. Um, it, it has it's 
been cracked open, but nothing like this book, and I need to make the transition, and change doesn't come easy to me. Resistance is futile. You know, what we resist will persist. I don't think they're taking the fourth step off the market, the fourth edition uh, off the market. So I will have to figure it out. But that's why I'm doing pages one through 64. It's all the same and has been for some time. Okay, page 58, program of action, also known as how it works. We all have heard these words before. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Okay, you don't miss the boat if you follow directions. That's what that sentence says. You will get it if you follow directions. And we got, and now we're introduced for the first time, page 59, the first time to the, to the steps, to the directions, to the design for living in this case. They're having fun over there. That must be the humor workshop. So here we are at page 60, because I'm going to skip by the steps. Go to the little, I like to call it the red-headed stepchild of the steps, and that's the ABC. And that's where it says, our description of the compulsive overeater, the chapters to the agnostic, and our personal adventures, that would be experiences, before and after getting abstinent and not being abstinent, make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were compulsive overeaters and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our compulsive overeating. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. The next sentence says, being, and it's in squiggly lines, being convinced we were at step three. And we've heard about what we need to do and how to do it. And the test question for step, th step three, I always like to have test questions. Am I a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I could manage it well? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If the answer is yes, I really need to take step three. And then it's starting to get me ready in the big book because at page 62, we're not quite at step four, but it's, we're, we're going somewhere. And this is the tour director in the big book just giving you a little hint where we're going. Selfishness and so, selfishness, and then it goes dash. And when you see a dash in the big book, pay attention. It's like, a, it's like highlighted in neon. Selfishness dash self-centeredness. Exclamation point. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Yippee. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. Anyone relating? Okay. Well, thank you. You can stay. The rest of you have to go. No. Okay. <laughs> and then at page 63 is the, I like to call it the corporate step three prayer. We've heard several other step three prayers, but... The one that you hear in meetings is found at page 63, and uh, the corporate version. And at the end, it says to abandon ourselves utterly, because half measures availeth nothing. Utterly abandon. You know, you can't just kind of jump out of a plane. You kind of have to if you're going to parachute and do that crazy thing. You can't bungee jump unless you jump off the bridge. You have to abandon reason. My best thinking got me here. So then we move to step four. The thing that scares just the bejesus out of people. And it's called a personal housekeeping. And where I grew up, 
When we clean house in the spring, it's called gramenage, the big cleaning, French, the big cleaning, gramenage. We have three days of preparation, eating big meals in my family so that we can move the couches. But little did they know that the night before the beginning of the gramenage, I would move the couch myself and take all the wrappers that I had thrown behind the couch and go and put them in the garbage being sure to leave the dust bunnies so they wouldn't think it was odd. I mean, that's how much I thought about this, okay? But what the big book tells us, we're going to do a personal house cleaning. And at page 64, it tells us not to waste time between steps three and four. You got some momentum going. You got your ABCs going. You got your pen in your hand. Get to it. You're ready. You're willing. Don't let the willingness go away. Because what it tells us here, it's going to be a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves, not in our spouse, our children, our parents, or our employer, but to be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us, keeping us from right relationship. Food was but a symptom. It was my treatment, my answer, my lover, my friend. It was the end-all. It was the be-all. And it wasn't working. And so they tell me at page 64 that I must get down to causes and conditions. Why? What happened? Fact-finding and fact-facing process to discover the truth. Flaw, and this is also at page 64. Flaws in our makeup which cause our failure. Resentment was the number one offender the causes and which causes all forms of spiritual disease. Not some. Resentment causes all forms of spiritual disease. And then there's a step four promise at page 64. When the spiritual malady is overcome, and they're not saying if, they're saying if you do this, when? It's a promise. When this malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Our butts get smaller and we're nicer. Okay, I don't know what more of a promise I could ever want at all. So then, you know, we've got squiggly lines on page 65 and it starts moving towards sex and it tells us about a grudge list. And it's just, it's real simple. How do we do this fourth step? Do we do it the big book way? Do we use the workbook? Do we get the thing from that other place? Or do we, what do we do? What do we do? Well, you get a pen. And you get some paper. And you make a list. And I like the way I was told to do the fourth step. And it's a lot like the big book. As a matter of fact, it's pretty much the big book. Write down who I was pissed at. That was a good list. And it was a long list. And, after, and then I get to write the novel. What they did to me. And because i got to get out of what they did to me. It's very important. Because I can't, until I clear away that level, <laughs> that level of sewage, I am not going to get to my part because it's all about them. So I write the novel of the people and places and things and what they did to me. And, you know, i got to tell you, you hear about feelings in here, and it's something my sponsor asked me to do. I feel. This was a new concept for me. I had two feelings when I came in to OA. Anger and absence of anger. That was it. And those are the two categories. I had default anger, frustrated anger, sad anger, disappointed anger, 
and you knew it. I wasn't really good about hiding that. And even if I was silent, it oozed right out of everything on me. And you knew it, and you didn't want to be around it. And absence of anger was happy. And so I had to come up with a list of feelings. I, and I didn't know how to do it at first. I had to find out what that microcosm of a feeling was before the anger kicked in. The dubious luxury. Just fight anger. The dubious luxury of normal men and women. I don't know who those normal men and women are, but they have a big luxury because I can't have that kind of anger. I feel disappointed that. I feel hurt because I was not considered. I feel unheard and disrespected because. I came up with a whole new vocabulary of feelings when I did the fourth step. And then I have to write, it affects my. And I wrote, oh, it, what it affects me. And, and they give us a little list, and you can add to it. My, my personal relationships, my professional, my sexual relationships. My friendships, my, um, my pride, my finances, you, na- you just put it down. And then how does it affect it? And then my part. And they make it real simple on the part. It's really multiple choice, really. You don't have to come up and be very creative here. Our mistakes were selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or filled with fear, frightened. That's it. Pick from the four. It's easy to get into all those categories. And you find from there your character defects, the pride, the ego, the fear, all of those things. So just write and write and write. You get to read it to your sponsor. She's the one or he's the one that's going to suffer. No, not really. They love it. As a sponsor, it is one of the greatest honors for me to listen to a fifth step. It is an honor. I get the courage that it takes. And then at page 66, It says, if we were to live, we had to be free of the anger because it was poison. And I wrote down, those buttheads had harmed us. And the book tells me at page 66, perhaps they're spiritually sick. It's the first time I've had to reframe the question about them that hurt me. Perhaps they were spiritually sick. Because I really haven't come to the conclusion that I'm totally spiritually sick when I'm doing the fourth step yet. But maybe they are. You know, I'm really good at taking your inventory. If anyone needs any help with that, let me know after the meeting today, and I'll I'll give you what I got. So then we go to page 67, and we have the prayer about that perhaps spiritually sick person. It's in the first uh, portion of the page. This is a sick man, God. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And that's the four-step prayer. And what I learned is that this inventory is about my side of the street. Because that other side, it's not their side of the street. It's just not my side. I have to say, you know, I think it's pretty amazing. We drive 60, 70 more miles an hour, and there's a yellow line. How many times do, when we pass cars, are they on our side of the street? Trust. So stay on your side and trust that you're in the right place. Going hell-bent for leather down the road on your side of the street. At page 67, it talks about fear, evil, and corroding thread in our lives. Fear ought to be classified with stealing. Fear steals my future. Fear steals my present. 
face everything and recover, and F everything and run. And I think there's a third one, but I don't recall it right now. And then at page 68, we have the four-step prayer on fear. And it's uh, the last full paragraph at the bottom, and it says, We let God demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask God to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And we at once commence to outgrow the fear. Because fear is caused by self-reliance. Moving on to page 70, if we are thorough about our fourth step, it says right here on page 70, we have written down a lot. So don't be afraid. Just buy the paper and get a good pen and go to it. When you write step four, we have begun to learn something. Tolerance. This is before we've ever read it to anyone. We've started to see what tolerance looks like what patience might look like, and goodwill towards all. We're starting to move towards that altruistic, serving others, doing God's will. And it begins with four, and that's why four is such an important foundation step. At 71, it says at the end of the chapter of how it works, we made a decision and an inventory of our grosser handicaps. And it says, You've made a good beginning. Again, there's more to come. You feel as though you've run a marathon when you finish that. Should I go to the fifth? Okay. She's got four steps, fifth step stuff, and then I'll be back. (sighs) Okay. Here we are. Um, This is from The Vicious Cycle, page 225, and I identify with this. The mental state of the sick compulsive overeater is beyond description. I had no resentments against individuals. The whole world was wrong. That sums it up for me. Okay. On page 263. By the way, there used to only be six steps. Can you imagine if you were working six steps, uh, 12 steps like we are now, and someone came in and said, I'm sorry, we've changed them to 24. You can imagine how they reacted. Okay. This is in, he sold himself short says, Dr. Bob led me through all the steps, and at the moral inventory, he brought up several of my bad personality traits or character defects, such as, this is my list, by the way, selfishness, conceit, jealousy, carelessness, intolerance, ill temper, sarcasm, and resentment. I'm always embarrassed when I read the big book because I feel like, how do they know? (laughs) Who's been following me? And then it says, I'm going to combine four and five in the interest of saving time that we went over these at great length, and he asked me if I wanted these defects of character removed. They all flow together, five, six, four, five, six, and seven. When I said yes, we both knelt at his desk and prayed, each of us asking for the defects to be taken away. On, going on, on page 293, A Fear of Fear. It says, I can't afford resentments against anyone because they are the buildup of another Binge. I can't, I know exactly. I saw it so clearly when I was at a meeting and I was upset at someone. And uh, I binged the very next day. And I saw it clear as clear that when I have resentments, I have the buildup to another binge. It goes on to say on page 346, because I'm a compulsive reader, 
Step by step, I moved towards a spiritual awakening, and step by step, I cleared up the past and got on with the present. The most precious discovery is who I really am, and I think this is key. See, it's not that you just write down the bad stuff. The bad stuff's been hiding, though, my assets. My defects of character are assets that have gone astray. And it says, the most precious discovery is really who I am. I heard one time ago in a meeting, to not kill yourself, they say, I'm glad I didn't kill myself because I would have been killing the wrong person. I wanted to die for a lot of years, and I didn't know who I was. And it was only through steps four through seven that I found out who really was home. And I'm glad I didn't kill myself because I would have been killing the wrong person. And we've been doing that for years. It says that like all of us, a being far beyond any of our ego selves, any of the fantasies I've made up about me. Going on briefly, when we've done four and five, six says, now nah, I'm going to skip that one. No, I'm not. Here it is. Okay. It says, the, the obsession of the mind was a little hard to understand, yet everyone has obsessions. And over a period of time, we've built up self-pity and resentment. This is on 355. Towards anyone or anything that interferes with our eating. Dishonest thinking, prejudice, ego, antagonism. Defects of character that gradually creep in and become a part of our lives. Living with fear and tension inevitably results in wanting to ease the tension. And we ease that tension with food. So we're getting down to causes and conditions. It says here that I know I took the third step, turning my life and will over the care of higher power, that night because I began writing a four-step inventory. That's how we know we've taken the third. The next day, and continued to write until I did my fifth with my sponsor. Soon I had a list of people I had harmed and talked about making amends. They flow all together. That goes into the ninth step. Finally, which I'm sure you're happy to hear that word. Well, maybe not so finally. Close to finally. Very close to finally. We are so close you can breathe on it. We're that close to finally. Okay. Freedom from bondage. 544. The mental twist that led up to my compulsive eating began many years before I ever took that first compulsive bite. For I'm one of those whose history proves conclusively that eating was a symptom of deeper problems. Through efforts to get down to quote causes and conditions, I stand convinced that any emotional illness has been present from my earliest recollection, and I never did react normally to any emotional situation. On my elementary school report card was, Julie is serious, too serious. I was a serious child. I was overly sensitive. It'll be on my tombstone. The medical profession would probably tell me that I was conditioned for compulsive overeating by the things that happened to me in my childhood, but I am sure they would be right as far as they go. But in OA, they taught me that the result, I am the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child. What is much more important to me is that OA has taught me that through this simple program, I may experience a change in this reaction pattern that will indeed allow me to match calamity with serenity. Finally, it says, Apparently, I'd grown, this is on 547, again, freedom from bondage, 
Apparently, I'd grown physically at the customary rate of speed, and I'd acquired an average amount of intellectual training in the intervening years. But there had been no emotional maturity at all. I realized now that this phase of my development had been arrested by my obsession with self, and my egocentricity had reached such proportions that adjustment to anything outside my personal control was impossible for me. I was immersed in self-pity and resentment. That is how I lived my life before coming to Overeaters Anonymous. That is how I continue to live my life until working these steps. I'm going to end with a step six reflection here that says, we are told in a way that we cannot afford resentments and self-pity, so we learn to avoid these festering mental attitudes. Similarly, we rid ourselves of guilt and remorse as we clean out the garbage from our minds through the fourth and fifth steps of our recovery program. We learn how to level out the emotional swings that got us into trouble, both when we were up and when we were down. Those are some of the benefits I've received of doing the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh steps, but more on that from Barb. All righty then. We'll go to chapter six now. Into action. <laughs> I will suggest to you that you have been taking a few actions prior to this point. You've become willing. You're in acceptance. You've written a fourth step. You're probably going to meetings and cussing at your sponsor. You're wondering what's going on, why you're having every feeling known to man that you have never heretofore experienced or numbed out because you were eating. And you're feeling a little wackadoo. Which, you know, I don't know if you had that experience. Maybe you haven't. Maybe I'm all by myself on that. Am I? Okay, just checking. I know it's late. You're, you're doing okay, guys. Um, fifth step, page 72. Why do it? In actual practice, in usually a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient. Reading it to your, and your cat or your dog, you're going to cut it, according to the big book. And it gives us a reason. This is the best reason first on why we need to tell it to someone else. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome compulsive overeating. I'm good. I'm good with that reason. I have to tell it to someone else because keeping secrets will kill me. My secret today is I am struggling in Overeaters Anonymous at ten and a half years abstinence. I'm struggling. And I can't put the words to it. So my sponsor's having me do a fear inventory. I'm getting a little angry about that. And she wants me to do an inventory of fear of vulnerability. Isn't that special? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm telling her, I'm kind of here to talk about the big book, and I'm really afraid. I think I'm putting weight on. And no, no, no. Come over and listen to what I've got written. So I gave away a fifth step Thursday night before coming to this place. And, um, and I read to her about my fear of vulnerability. And I read to her about my fear of being alone the rest of my life. And my fear of financial insecurity. And my fear of being in pain. Physical and pain and being alone. And we come up with a lot of good things for steps six and seven. The other thing she asked me to do, because I only weigh myself once a month on the first and I haven't been home on the first for the past two months so I have not weighed myself now those clothes that I told you fit in my closet they're getting a little snug that's what I, I'm feeling so she said well can you weigh yourself tomorrow it's not the first I said 
just I know, Barbara, are you willing? And you know, when someone asks you if you're willing and it doesn't involve killing another person, you pretty much have to say yes. So I went and, you know, I did all of the bodily functions one needs to do before they weigh themselves for the first time in two months. And, and the debate was if I had put on weight, I couldn't, I'd be a fraud up here. And if I had lost weight, which couldn't possibly have happened, I'd be happy and perfect up here. And she said, well, maybe it could just be the truth. Maybe it could just be the reality. And after you weigh yourself, Barbara, call me. Oh, my God. That would be the end of that fifth step. So I did, in fact, call her. And I will tell you, you know, would I tell you if I put on weight? I probably would because that's what I learned is to tell the truth because my secret will kill me. And I lost two and a half pounds. But apparently being 48 and going through menopause means your body shifts. That's not in the big book, by the way. I have issues. Okay. We are the fifth step promise. Back to the book, away from Barbara. 73 to 74. It's the very bottom of 73. Fifth step promise. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long and happily in this world. You know, it's the third time we hear happily in the promises. To live long and happily in this world. Page 75 says, don't waste time when you're ready for that fifth step. Don't waste time. Get to it. Don't put it off. Don't look for the perfect day and the perfect weather and the perfect porch. Just do it. And then there's this wonderful part. What do you do after? You read my 21 hours. And I know I'm not the longest. But it took two days to do my fifth step with my sponsor. I had 37 years of wreckage to sort through. But it says, once we've taken the step withholding nothing, we are delighted. I was delighted when it was burnt and no one could read it. That was the best part for me. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. Why? Because another person heard me and didn't run screaming from the room. Another person heard me and gave me a hug. Another person heard me and told me she did some of the same thing. I felt nearness to another human being, which for me was nearness to another to a higher power that I had never felt before. A level of vulnerability, the thing I fear so much. What a gift. And it says, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin these spiritual experience. They're telling us this is truly an action of that vital spiritual experience we've heard about. The feeling that the eating problem has disappeared will often come strongly. I will tell you, I didn't want to eat after that fifth step. Because I didn't want to do anything bad again. Because I didn't want to write another fourth step. <laughs> and, you know, that may not be the best motive, but it was mine. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. I just picture myself just going, na na na, you know, and walking down, and I'm happy and I'm free, and my butt is small. It may not be, but in my, at that moment, I felt like my butt was small. Thank you. Thank you, my sponsor. And I will tell you, she took notes during my fifth step. <gasps> you might say. But the notes she took, was a list of my character defects in case I forgot them because I have short-term memory problems. I am a compulsive reader. And the people that I owed amends to. She folded that paper up and she handed it to me. And that was a stepping stone 
push that six that came next. Now, some of you may have noticed in the big book that step six is given some short shrift. Very short shrift. And I would suggest for those of you that were here at the beginning at 1.30 today, when I told you that at pages XI, the letter pages, this is our basic text, the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. Did you know that's the name of it, by the way? It's the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. Okay, that was a joke. I gotta get something back from you guys here. Come on. And that's why we have to use other texts. That's why the 12 and 12 and AA was written and the 12 and 12 and OA is used. For 6 and 7, because those are the steps that are going to keep you and me abstinent. It says here about step 6, somewhere, at page 76, there's only two or three, two paragraphs. Step six, this is your question, your test question. Am I ready to let God remove from me all the things which I wrote and admitted were objectionable? Well, Barbara, are you ready to have God remove gossip from your life? Yeah, I'm pretty much ready to have gossip removed. I won't, I won't spread, I, mean, I won't start any more gossip. Yeah, okay, I won't start any more gossip. Not quite what I was asking you, Barb. Are you ready to stop gossiping? Well, what if it's really good? You know? Okay, are you ready to have lust removed from your life, Barb? Huh? What do you mean? Lust, lust. Are you ready to have lust removed from your life? Character defects, lust. What if he's really cute? Well, you know, I haven't, so, but I might miss out, and, you know, am I entirely ready? Am I willing, am I ready to have the things that I used to do that were objectionable removed? Well, my grosser ones I am, but there's a few that are still working for me. And I may not be as ready until they cause me great pain and I have to do step one on them. And that's all it says about step six in the big book. I think we learn more about it in step ten when we, when we get there. And then it jumps right into the seventh step prayer, page 76. If you've never known where it was before, it's in the, uh, the second full paragraph. And if you ever take that step, and I'm not going to do it now, but break it down. Really, take a look at it. Break it down by phrase. And I think of, um, I think of Lego building blocks when I think of step seven. You know, you can have all of me, build with me, do with me, you know, um, Take all the bad parts out that don't fit and build something new. Would you please? Would you please? But that's all there is. And then we jump right into step eight. And I, I'm, I'm going to keep going and then you, you jump in because, okay? Page 76, step eight. List of persons harmed and begin to repair the damage done in the past. This is a construction crew. This is more footwork, a whole lot more courage. But step eight. You don't have to go talk to anybody yet, and please don't, until you talk to your sponsor first. It's make a list of those that you would harm. Write about the people. Write about those relationships. If, if, you, um, if, you don't, if you don't, if you don't have the will to repair the damage, pray to God for the willingness. That person I will never apologize to. I will never write that wrong. Pray for the willingness and pray for that person. This step is about writing and prayer. And you will suddenly see, and you'll be in the middle of some of your behavior. And you know which behavior I'm talking about. 
the not nice one. For me of late, in my struggle, I've been a little bit like a shrew. I mentioned earlier I don't suffer idiots well. Of course, that would be judgment. We'll pick that one out first. But impatience and intolerance. And I'm very um, cognizant. And so in the middle of a sentence this week, I stopped dead in the sentence. And the person said, well, no, what? I'm not delivering this message well. I'm going to get back to you. I'm in the eighth step on this thing. I pause in the middle rather than just going to the end. And that's what the eighth step will bring to you. Note to self, two asterisks, go to any length for victory over compulsive overeating. And when you get to step nine and you're at page 77, we'll talk about the real purpose of it, how to do it, and the living amends. But Julie's going to tell you a little bit more now. Thanks, you guys, for hanging in. I know it's afternoon, it's after lunch, and I frankly would be nodding at this point, but... (sighs) Okay, so here we are, and it might have been worse. (laughs) I don't see how, but here we are. So here it is. It says, to most of us, I like this, making amends will take the rest of our lives. Please, God, no. Uh, But we can start immediately. Just being abstinent will be making amends to many we have hurt by our compulsive overeating behavior. So, if you are abstinent, you are in process of making amends. Um, It says here that, uh, now, there's, you know, step eight is not talked a lot about in the stories because they basically say things like, soon I had a list of people I had harmed. Okay, not a lot to chew on there. So I'm talking a little bit more about nine. It says, I had a list of people I'd harmed. I talked about each of the amends with my sponsor. By the time I had started saying things right with my family, I began to feel a lot better. So the key there is uh, talked with my sponsor first before making the amends. There are several places in here, though, where the amends are pretty great. It says that when I reached step nine, I hesitated in my enthusiasm. I wonder why. (laughs) Um, But then they say, one morning I woke up covered in sweat. I could not get over a nightmare I'd had that I had lost my abstinence. And it talks about this person went to offices and friends. One woman did call the police, but the policeman was in AA. Hey. Okay. But it's real important to do these with a sponsor. And it says... I made amends to the man I'd attempted to kill. So anything less than that, you guys, shouldn't be too bad. Um, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here and tell um, one amends, quick, quickie amends, okay? And uh, that is that um, I'm a thief, basically, and uh, I used to steal things from work in the form of money, mainly. And uh, it was well up over $2,000, I'm pretty sure. Um, I didn't think we were making enough tips. So I helped us make more. And uh, I owed this organization, I figured roughly, 2000 some odd dollars. Now, I didn't go to the organization and say, I stole $2,000, because they'd probably say, really, how? And I would have to involve other people. So what I did instead was, because this was an amusement park, 
I went and bought over $2,000 worth of adult and child passes and donated them to the local boys and girls club. This is an amends. Amends are not meant to hurt me and they're not meant to hurt you. Everybody won with this amends. That's why it's important to talk about it with other people. Um, it says, I've had many spiritual experiences since I've been in the program. This is Freedom from Bondage, 551. Many that I didn't recognize right away, for I'm slow to learn, and they take many guises. Okay. And the one they're talking about here is uh, praying for other people who were real angry at Praying for them health, happiness, and prosperity. That's the famous one we all talk about. Um, I would take too long to explain the amends I made to my Aunt Wilma. Um, but I can tell you that um, it took a long time. And it started with things like just not hanging up on her when she called. Uh, sending birthday cards and Christmas cards so I didn't mean them. Sending flowers on a birthday when I didn't mean it. Eventually, it evolved to taking her to uh, cancer treatment. I needed a meeting before and after, but I did it. And eventually it meant um, going to her bedside and telling her I loved her. And when I got up from that bedside, I realized that a well over 20 year resentment was gone. But it took a long time. So I'm here to tell you that some amends take a long time. Don't be discouraged. It goes on here, we can do all these amends, we can do all this footwork, but in step 10 it says, we are told in a way that we cannot afford resentments and self-pity, so we learn to avoid these festering mental attitudes. How do I do that? I do that by a regular 10th step. I'm going to read a couple 10 steps and then I'm going to sit down and let Barbara, we still have 11 and 12, so I will read faster, Barbara, if I need to. Um, step 10 says, it talks about this person eating again. It says, that was my lesson. That one could not take a moral inventory and then file it away. That the compulsive warrior has to continue to take inventory every day if they expect to get well and stay that way. I don't like hearing that. Nor do I like hearing vigorous or exercise or hard work. But uh, those, are, those are real true. Um, so I'm going to stop now and turn it back over to Barb. But please, I've got some real good, I've got some great 12-step stuff here. You guys don't leave yet. I mean, it's really good. There's, it's good. There's more tabs. There's more, good. There's more tabs. Okay, at page 77, we got step nine, and it tells us the real purpose. The real purpose of step nine. What is it? Thank you, Julie. <laughs> Martin and Lewis, frickin' frack. Okay. Make ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Not fame, fortune, and a small but. I wanted a small but too. But the, the real purpose is to make ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And at page 78, it tells us how to do step nine. Very specific. Under no condition do we criticize or argue. With the person we're making amends to. We never try to tell them what they should do. No matter what. Discuss only your own fault. Quick story. Acting, I was named acting director of a, a division within an agency. And for six months, and I was the anointed one, you're going to be the director. 
I don't know what happened. But I went away for a long weekend after working 70-hour weeks and blah, 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 and I came back, and I was at an OA meeting. And a friend told me, oh, I hear my friend's going to come work for you. Really? Well, she had just been named my new boss. She had gotten the, 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 the job. And that happened in February. The air got real still around my office until September with the man who made the decision to hire this person because there was just a number of other things. He didn't follow the legal advice I gave him. He didn't, and he didn't, and he didn't, and she didn't. And it was just getting bad to the point where my AA sponsor says, you're going to drink if you don't write your fifth step. And and I said, I hung the phone up in her and said, swear word, but you're not allowed to stay on tape. And then I'm living with my OA sponsor time, and she says, can you, I said, can you believe she gets well, I can do cruise the bar. Oh, my God. And I'm living with my OA sponsor, so I go into my bedroom and slam the door. Thank God I wrote it out that weekend. And I got real willing. And I go, and it took four days to see this man because they weren't letting me see him because I think they thought I might hurt him. But I finally get in there. And I had it written down on a card, don't you know, because it's exactly what I had to say. And I sat down and I said, Sam, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to meet with you. I have... I want to tell you that I have acted in an unprofessional, immature, unprofessional, immature, and rude manner, in a manner that did not was not deserved by you or a helpless agency, and I was wrong. At this point, you shut up. And I did. And he said, I'm sorry it took you so long to say that. And I remained shut up. Up. That is called spiritual duct tape. And then the man went on to tell me all the stories that I had hated listening to for four freaking years. But I heard them differently. And they were all about principles before personalities. They were all about unity and not uniformity. And they were all about being part of the solution and not part of it. And I heard them differently. And then he apologized to me. And he told me what an asset I was to that agency. And that man wrote me a letter of recommendation for the job that I have now. That's what amends can do for you. Six months of a resentment. I was ready to kill the man. So at page 83, it tells us we have a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead, not wait for it to appear. Well, I don't know where they live now. Well, you know what? The Internet's an amazing tool. And you can find people, and you can do the things you need to do, but don't do them alone. Get a chaperone, a.k.a. a sponsor. Bounce it off them. If your sponsor doesn't have experience with this kind of immense, they will refer you to someone who does. Don't do it alone. Remember the first word of the first step is? Thank you. With conviction, though. A spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. When making amends, this is at page 83, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. We don't crawl before anyone. I'm sorry is not an amends. I was wrong is an amends. And then you got those promises. And I'm not going to read them because of time, but I want to suggest to you a different emphasis when you're reading them. Emphasis. Okay, go. We got you to pay attention. A different emphasis when you read them. Next time you read it, and where are the promises? 
They're at page 83 and 84. Every time you see the word will, give it a punch when you read it in a sense. Just for an example. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Put the emphasis on will on each of them, and it becomes an active prayer, an active set of promises for you. And it just brings a whole new meaning to me. When we go to step 10 on page 84, the book's moving along now. They don't want us slowing down. They say, vigorously commenced this way of living. And, and why? And it tells us why. To grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. Thank you, God. Thank you. I mean, I have to all get it right now. It is, it continues for a lifetime. They talk about step four. Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. We ask God to remove it. Step six and seven. We discuss it with somebody. Step five. We make amends quickly if there's harm done. Eight, steps eight and nine. And then we help someone else. And that's another hint. The tour conductor, the big book is telling something else is coming. And at step 12, we help someone else. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And then at page 84 to 85, there's a 10-step promise. It's a whole paragraph. I really encourage you to read it. It is so amazing. We cease fighting everything and everyone is where it starts. And we end up in a position of neutrality. We become Switzerland. We actually learn how to say, I don't know. Or, really. Or, you may be right. It could happen. The bad news and the good news. Step 10. Bad news, we're not cured. The good news, we have a daily reprieve contingent on the spiritual, on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. And that's where that step 10, where I told you it's the growing up step. It's the step where we take all of this hard work. And, you know, there's this thing called cross-training and exercise. You know, if you do the same exercise over and over again, you, you strengthen that muscle. You know, it's like I love teenage boys that lift biceps and they get the big bump on their arm, you know. But there's nothing else. It's a muscle. Just the big bicep, right? Well, we're taught we have to work all the different parts. And that's what step 10 tells us. We have to do the inventory. We have to look at the character defects. We have to look at the amends. Cross, step 10 is cross-training. It's working all the parts and bringing it together to your higher power, to your sponsor, and to another person. And step 11, Julie, and we have maybe uh, 7 or 8 minutes to do 10 and 11 and 12. We're going to do the questions. Okay. We're going to do these two questions real quick. Okay. Why are shares referred to as pitches? That's a great answer. Uh, my sponsor called shares pitches, so I call them pitches. It's pitch. I'm throwing it out to you whether you hit it out of the park or not. It's up to you, I guess. I have seen individuals at the convention I would like to approach to be my sponsor, but they are out of my area. Do, is this done? Um, my sponsor, I live in San Leandro. My sponsor lives in San Pedro, California, down in Long Beach. Yes, it's done. If you find someone who you want what they have, ask them to be your sponsor. But have people local in your area you can talk to and also call. You can have more than one sponsor and change sponsors at will. We want to give an opportunity for open sharing. So we're going to go for about another five um, or ten minutes. 
And then, um, okay, and then after Julie's done, we may we may be done with our presentation. Then we're going to ask people if they want to come up to stand up for here at the step. And if you'd like to get a head start because of the brush, you can start now. <laughs> okay, we're going to be brief on 11 and 12. Um, this says. I went to meetings every night, read the books and literature, and got a sponsor who told me to have a quiet time every morning and try to pray and meditate, or at least sit still for a few minutes before racing off to the day. Since I prided myself on adhering to the intellectual principle of not having contempt prior to investigation, I tried to keep an open mind no matter what anyone said and how stupid I thought it was, and I thought plenty of this was stupid. But when I tried it, it worked. I'm very passive-aggressive. My sponsor would say, do something like, don't you know I'm upset, I need to go stay home and think about this. And she'd say, I think you need to bring the literature to the meeting you are a literature person of. And I think, well, that's really stupid. And then I would go and hear the answer I had my problem to at the meeting and think, well, gosh, she was right. So it says, I tried to keep an open mind, and no matter what anyone said or how stupid I thought it was, it said, that probably saved my life. This kind of thing has saved my life. I'm going to read one more on step 11, and then we will go directly to 12. There's lots in here, but I've got a big mouth and we're running out of time. Okay, this is on page 406, Alcoholics Anonymous book, and it's from a compulsive reader like you. It says, this, this person says, they were complaining about saying the Lord's Prayer. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Said so the Lord's Prayer bothers me and I don't like closing with it. And the, per- and the sponsor said, what's the problem? And he said, well, I'm Jewish and it's not a Jewish prayer. Well, then he said, then say something else that you like. Your higher power, whatever you call it, is helping you and you need to say thank you. Prayer and meditation. I need to say thank you. That was a big step for me. I finally began to separate the religious aspects of my life from OA's spiritual program. Now the big difference to me is that religion is the ritual, and we all differ there, and spirituality is the way we feel about what we do. It's about my personal contact with my personal higher power as I understand that higher power. Seek your, there are, it goes into uh, parameditation a lot more in the 12 and 12, and I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I'm going to go through a few step 12s because this is the best part. This is the part that tells us about hope. This says, this is in Dr. Bob's story, and talking about working with others. There's two parts to step 12, practicing these principles in all my affairs and helping others. A far more importance was the fact that he was... The first, Dr. Bob's talking about Bill, human being with whom I had ever talked who knew what he was talking about in regard to compulsive overeating from actual experience. He talked my language. I have had doctors, parents, boyfriends, bosses talk to me about losing weight. And I couldn't hear it till I heard somebody talk my language. Someone who ate out of garbage cans. Somebody who knew what it was like to try and lose weight and not be able to. It says, I spend a great deal of time passing on what I've learned to others who want it and need it badly, and I do it for four reasons. This is why we do the 12th step. One, a sense of duty. 
Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I am paying my debt to the person who took the time to pass it on to me. My sponsor tells me, don't thank me. You can never thank me enough for what I am doing for you now. Instead, do for someone else what I am doing for you now. And it says, and what's the most, one of the most important reasons? Because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. A couple more at random, even though I shouldn't be. says, at my first meeting that night, people fulfilled their responsibility. They made me welcome. That is our responsibility in meetings, to make newcomers and old-timers and anyone struggling with this disease to feel welcome. One, a couple, two more. Okay, Barb, two more. Am I allowed two more, Barb? Am I allowed that? Thank you, Barb. All right, it's my birthday. That's right. Okay. Uh, it says, on he sold him, he, she, or it sold themselves short. On page 264, I decided I must place this program above everything else, even my family. Because if I did not maintain my abstinence, I would lose my family anyway. If I did not maintain my abstinence, I would not have a job. And if I did not maintain my abstinence, I would have no friends left. I had few enough at that time. I need to tell you, that's not true for everybody, but it's real true for me. Um, as a compulsive overeater, uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. And uh, I couldn't do the job I do today without without abstinence. I'm going to just end with this because I feel you guys have been really good sports listening to us this whole time. Uh, this is on 266 and 267. He sold himself short. We hear a lot of promises in the big book. These are some kind of hidden ones in the back that I think are fantastic. It says, the latest part, the latest part of my life has had a purpose. Not in great things accomplished, but in daily living. I could never figure out daily living. How do people pay parking tickets? Insurance? You know, things like that. Balance a checkbook? Have a checkbook. Um, the latest part of my life has had a purpose, not in great things accomplished, but in daily living. Courage to face each day has replaced the fears and uncertainties of earlier years. I used to wake up and think, oh, God, I'm conscious again. And I don't feel that way. I have not woken up in dread in years. Acceptance of things as acceptance of things as they are has replaced the old impatient champing at the bit to conquer the world. I have stopped tilting at windmills and instead have tried to accomplish the little daily tasks, unimportant in themselves, but tasks that are an integral part of living fully. I was told to not look for my higher power to appear to me on the 580 freeway but that a higher power shows up in the little things. And I know you guys know that. It shows up in the little things. Things that should have gone bad and didn't. Getting an unexpected smile from somebody who you don't think likes you at all. When derision, where derision, contempt, and pity were once shown me, I now enjoy the respect of many people. Where once I had casual acquaintances, all of whom were fair-weather friends, 
I now have a host of friends who accept me for what I am. And over my OA years, I have made many real, honest, sincere friendships that I shall always cherish. I'm rated as a moderate, I don't know if I'm rated as a moderately successful person, you know, I mean, but my stock of material goods isn't great, but I have a fortune in friendships, courage, self-assurance, and honest appraisal of my own abilities. I'm not the best and I'm not the worst. I'm not the biggest fish in the pond, but I'm not the pond scum either. Above all, I have gained the greatest thing accorded any person, the love and understanding of a gracious higher power. With your help, who has lifted me from the compulsive overeating scrap heap to a position of trust where I have been able to reap the rich rewards that come from showing a little love for others and from serving them as I can. I don't have everything I want, but I most certainly have everything I need. And I've been, and it's all because of you guys in this program. Trust me on that. And I am extremely grateful, and I want to thank you all for hanging in there with us today and sticking around. And now Barb's going to wrap this thing up. The line is really long, but I have a place at the front of it for anybody. Is there anyone that wants to? Okay, then we're going to finish a little early, which will be good. And there's a couple things I want to say about Step 12, and then I have a closing reading for you. At page 89 of the big book, it says in Chapter 7, Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from compulsive overeating as intensive work with another compulsive overeater. My second year of recovery, I was quite sure I was going to write a book. And the name of this book is going to be called Coffee Shop Recovery. Because the wisdom and the experience and the strength that I got in the coffee shops throughout Sacramento, California, London, England, Oxford, England, Sydney, Australia, San Diego, California. I mean, all those places was amazing and it was in a coffee shop. And when I walk into a coffee shop and I see two men or two women or four people with a big book out and they're talking, it says my heart really warm. I get real good about when I see that. I'm not alone and others are doing it. The book goes on to say the benefits from step 12 are to watch people recover, see them help others, watch loneliness vanish, See fellowship grow around you and have a host of friends. What what a wonderful set of gifts. And in addition, I would just point you to page 91 and 92 where it tells you how to carry the message to another compulsive overeater. There's a list of about 10 things from talking to the person alone, talk about yourself, talk about what you learned, don't bring God into it in the beginning, scares the crap out of them. Wait till later, and then only when they ask you, tell them how you did it. And that's at pages 91 and 92 in the big book. We're going to have a share, and then I'm going to have one closing reading. Go ahead, please. Hi, I'm Audra, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Just real quickly, uh, uh, a few months ago, I was sitting at the kitchen table at my sponsor's house, 
and uh, she's been through the big book many, many times uh, with folks who have been in this uh, program a long, long time. And I sat there, and we were about done, and I thanked her. I said, oh, thank you so much for taking me through this book. And she kind of burst my bubble. She's real honest that way, but I love her. And she says, I didn't take you through this book for you. I took you through this book so that you would now share this with other women. My name is Michael. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm at the very beginning of this program. I'm frozen at step one and don't have really an effective sponsor. But I've, I've been teaching teachers for 31 years. And I teach ethics and teaching. And, and I've been writing about trust and trustworthiness. And I want to just thank these two marvelous women for basically being a great inspiration. It strikes me that one of the things that people who teach or who contribute to others' lives need to have is this, a certain kind of wisdom and self-knowledge. And, of course, they learn, have to learn how to trust others. But in learning how to trust others, they have to learn how to trust themselves. And what always seems to be about for people who have made it work for themselves is learning how not only to trust others, but to trust yourself and to trust yourself enough to be honest with yourself and with other people. And that, to me, is the core of developing relationships at work. So, again, I'd like to conclude by, again, thanking them for a marvelous session. Okay, this is it. It's been amazing, Julie. Um, <laughs> nothing got thrown at us at all. That was great. Um, we knew that. Um, I want to read to you uh, a part of the last page of a story that has grown very, very dear to me. And it can be found on page 276 of the fourth edition and 312 of the third edition. And I modify it just a touch for myself. The last ten years of my life have been rich and meaningful. I have had my share of problems, heartaches, and disappointments, because that is life. But also I have known a great deal of joy and a peace that is the handmaiden of inner freedom. I have a wealth of friends, and with my OA friends, an unusual quality of fellowship. For to these people... I am truly related, first through mutual pain and despair, and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. And as the years go by, working together, sharing our experiences with one another, and also sharing mutual trust, understanding, and love without strings, without obligation, we acquire relationships that are unique and priceless. There is no more aloneness with that awful ache so deep in the heart of every compulsive overeater that nothing before could ever reach it. The ache is gone and need never return again. Now there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved in return for the food and the shame we've been given the keys to the kingdom. Well, let's call it a wrap. And 
after we're done, we're going to circle up, we're going to say a prayer, and then everyone has to move quickly to the exit because they have to get ready for the dinner dance. Yay.